come before you, Lord. We are imperfect. We are nothing good enough of ourselves. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord, we can stand before you washed as white as snow. And Lord, we can come and worship you. And Lord, let us do that not with our own works or not from our own selves. But Lord, let us worship you because we understand that we are justified and purified. And Lord, that we are redeemed because of the blood of the Lamb. And in that, we worship you, Lord, because of what you have done, not because of ourselves, but because of the blood of the Lamb. And Lord, I just praise you this morning, Lord, for all that you are and all that you have done and continue to do. Lord, I just pray that together we would put up a beautiful sacrifice of praise to you. And Lord, that you would be here in our midst and be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. You would all stand with us. For those that can, you don't have to if you can't.
riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart, my King of heaven, my treasure.
gaze on your kingly brightness, so our faces display your likeness, ever changing from glory to glory, mirrored here, may our lives tell your story, shine on me, shine singing that song with a group of youth. And I don't know why, that always like impacted my life. And I've shared this so many times, every time I sing this song, I probably say this, but just that singing that the Lord's light would shine forth there. And then hearing about five years later that that was the first um, Christians and the Baima people there was in that village and how that they came to know the Lord. And I, I don't know, I don't, I'm sure it was a whole lot more than singing that song over that village, but it's so amazing when you hear the testimony of God that that came back, and his light was shining there, and I believe it still is to this day.
precious man who ran to me.
Who are you this morning? Child of God. Do you believe that? Jordan and I have been saying that all week, or no, half the week, all right? Christopher said it too. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yes. Woo! body of Christ, not a church. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yes. Mm -hmm. By this shall you know that ye are my disciples and how that you love one another. Yeah. Congratulations, Abigail. (laughs) You're only beginning to see how big the body of Christ is. You You don't even know how big the family is you just joined. Everybody's getting tired. Feel free to sit. Um. She always tells me to tell you to stand, and she's like, okay, now you got to sit <laughs> but down. But if you so. want to stand, you can stand. Um, this song, I love. Uh, it's kind of repetitious, like the, the melody, but I love the words. It says, you are good. You are good when there's nothing good in me. And I... I know this morning how there's nothing good in me. (laughs) I know all too well my own flesh and my frailty, but I am so thankful that we can look to Jesus because he is good. He is love. He is um, light when the darkness closes in. And so I don't know if you guys sometimes feel like me, but let's turn our eyes to look to Jesus. When we look at ourselves and look in, We see darkness, we see our failures, we see our hurts. But when we look to Jesus and we ask for our forgiveness, he washes us, cleanses us, and he makes us new. Um, So just look to Jesus and remember that you are not alone. Um, Even when when the darkness can close in and when there's um, maybe you're struggling with depression or anxiety, remember he is with you. Just turn to him and he will... He will run to you.
nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever rain. Hopefully you didn't hear us, but you heard the words. <laughs> Say again. Okay. Not too many of the mistakes. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, thanks for being patient with us. <laughs> Ocean, loving kindness as the flood, with the prince of life our ransom, shed for us his precious blood, who is love will not remember, who can cease to sing his forgotten throughout heaven's eternal day on the mount of crucifixion fountains open deep and wide through the floodgates of God's mercy and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love here is love the first born from the grave death has failed to be found equal to the life of him who saves in the valley of our darkness dawned his everlasting light perfect love Repel this hellish night beyond all measure, mocked and slain by hateful men, lives and reigns in resurrection and can never die again. Yeah. 
There's children's lesson this morning, so Dave, I'll turn the time over to you. Good morning to each of you. Uh, glad everyone's here this morning. There's, there's a few missing here, uh, so let's pray for Brother Phil and uh, Lucas. There as they're traveling, uh, just pray for uh, the safety on the highway with them. I think Anthony is gone, and there may be a few others, but um, yeah, glad to have everyone here. I'm very honored and. Uh, to have Brother Lee here with us. Um, we've been in Colorado now for 15 years, and the longer I'm here, I'm like, hey, are you kin to those Joders down at Weld County Garage? <laughs> no, so I had a pleasure to meet Lee here about a year ago, probably, for the first time. So it is an honor and a pleasure to have you here this morning, and he'll be sharing the word here this morning. Um, as far as announcement, there's not a whole lot. Um, there is, uh, if you know any youth or anyone that would like to, for the upcoming youth conference, I think it is August 9 to 13, so please uh, share the word, or you can go online, and I think it's redeemedcommunitychurch.org, so you can go online there as well. Um, please do hang around for the afternoon meal. love to have everyone here and enjoy the fellowship together. Um, anybody? Oh, um, You've probably seen on the uh, Redeem uh, Friend and Family uh, chat, um, I guess the Schroders are kind of doing the traditional, the 4th of July uh, party at the Nun Park, uh, I believe it's at 2 o'clock. And uh, based on the WhatsApp, if you can probably get with Catherine Schroeder, so you can RSVP, so as far as they can get a count of how many might be there. If you do attend, uh, do bring a, a side dish. Generally, there's hamburgers and hot dogs provided. So um, that is, again, July the 4th, 2 o'clock at the Nun Park. I guess if there's nothing else, why don't we just bow for a word of prayer, and then we'll time, turn the time over to Brother Lee. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love and for your presence here this morning. We just thank you so much for your many blessings, and thank you for the body of Christ. And we just thank you for 
the body here this morning, here at Redeem. Lord, I just pray that we could be that shining light for you in this little community. Lord, I just want to lift up our brother Lee to you. I just pray that you be with him, give him words to speak. Lord, as he shares from your word, that we can be encouraged and blessed. And um, Lord, we just want to honor and glorify you in everything we do. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Lee. Good morning. I was telling somebody earlier, I think, Angelo, did I get your name right? Uh, this is not going to be a lecture. I don't know how to do that. But I do know, I do know how to have a conversation. So I might be, uh, I might be conversing, and then you have a question. You, it's all right, raise your hand. Hey, I don't agree with you. Okay. Now, if it's a story of my own, since you haven't heard it, then you might not, then you might be out of order to disagree. So anyway, <laughs> so that would be, uh, my wife would probably raise her hand on some of those. So uh, being so I'm going to have stories uh, rather than a lecture, my, and Michael has to leave early. Uh, I told him I'm going to kind of put him on the spot. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I've known Michael for quite a while, but not the way I have the last couple of years. He was an employee at one of the divisions of Well County Garage, and we did have roundtables, which teach character values in a facilitator format. And he, uh, I just remembered he had... He had such a memory, he never forgot anything. And uh, so we started meeting for coffee every Wednesday f about two or three years ago, right? Yeah. Well, it was kind of a, a mentor situation. And I, I'm, I'm honored to have somebody young want even to talk to, to. You know, I enjoy that, you know. Uh, so... Anyway, as time went, Michael had a really tough background. Uh, really, I could call it dysfunctional. I, and it's, it's amazing what Christ does to, uh, when he comes into a life. It just uh, does a 180. So this didn't, it happened over a period of time. But as time went on in this coffee thing, and... All of, all of a sudden, I seen how excited he got about the word. To me, that's one of the most exciting things is when somebody sees the life in the word. It's just incredible. The word is always supernatural. So anyway, and so one time he's, you know, we're going, we would ch exchange what happened during the week. And he say, hey, look what I found. He says, the word the word became flesh. I said, what? This sounds like a mature, mature believer. I can't believe it. So anyway, time went on, and we changed back and forth. But here this last uh, Wednesday, Wednesday a week ago, I was yapping, you know, and pretty soon he said, hey, guess, guess what? And he read off chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
And he would say, hey, did you get that? Did you get that? <laughs> I said, wow, wow, I'm going to steal that one. <laughs> then he read off Romans 5, 1 to 11. I don't think I ever read Romans 5, 1 to 11 before, but it was amazing. And then this little friend we run into <laughs> there at the blue mug, little guy, He's, he's handicapped in, in some ways, but he's just so neat. <laughs> he, he works at a horse farm out in Fort Collins, and he's about this tall. But he says, why do you call him brother? Well, I said, he asked me to. So then on the way out to my car, uh, Michael says, hey, I'm a brother because we're both in Jesus. Whoa, how's that? So anyway, Michael, if you don't mind, would you read chapter 13, 1 Corinthians, and Romans 5, 1 to 11? Would you? Are you okay with that? Just do it the same way you did me. Did you get that? First uh, Corinthians, uh, thir chapter 13, and then Romans 5, 1 to 11. Just act like you're talking to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how's everybody doing? I'm Michael. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and read this. 1 Corinthians 13, love is the greatest. If you speak of all the languages of earth and of angels, but do not know, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gog or a, all right, this is what I mean. <laughs> Word study real quick. <laughs> uh, oh, it's clanging. Yeah, that's the one we <laughs> Clanging crambles. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all the, all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others I would be nothing if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body I could I could boost about it but if I didn't love others I would have gained nothing love is patient and kind. That's what I told him. I said, that week, I said, it's so hard in moments to be patient, especially with love. And I said, and again, the kind part, sometimes the flesh wants to take over and just become vengeful and angry at certain situations. But I said, if you love somebody, you have to learn that patience, like in kids and everything like that. So that was the part that I really said, the love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Or rude. If it doesn't demand its own way, it is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. What am I saying? 11, right? Oh, I'll 
Prophecy and speaking unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is per, per, partial, partial, right? Partial and incomplete, yeah. Partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when we, but when the time of perfection comes, these portal things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see these things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Romans, right? Romans 5, 1 through 11. So next we went on to talk about Romans 5, 1 through 11. Faith brings joy. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. We confidently and joyfully look to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and, and, and character strengthens our confidence, hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know that how dearly God loves us because he has given his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most of us would not be willing to die for the upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Oops. And since God Oh, and since we have made and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnations. For since our relationship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. That's great. Anything else you want to say to these people? Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, brother. Okay. Thank you, Michael.
<laughs> uh, yes, thank you, Michael. Uh, because uh, I really wrestled with this because I've given my testimony before, and a lot of times I'll do it in a chr chronological order, and I just I just went through paper, scratch paper, and just. I had a tough time with it. I had so much paper that Colleen said, well, how long are you going to talk? <laughs> I said, well, all day. <laughs> she said, well, I won't be there. <laughs> so anyway, I just, uh, so anyway, I'll just, I'm going to jump around a little bit, but I'm going to try to warn you when I do so that you can follow me. Uh, I really have to, you know, I, I know this, that if, if this is not the Holy Spirit directing me, it's not worth a hill of beans. Have you ever heard that saying before? I got to watch what I say because some of these times I say to kids and they just look at me like, what? Well, a hill of beans is worthless, okay? Right kind of beans, okay. Uh, kind of the first thing... Uh, I'd like to bring up is the contrast. You know, there's two kingdoms in this world. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Does everybody believe that the Bible says that Satan is the God of this world? Okay. Do you want a scripture that goes with it? Or not? you like one if you if you look at I can do it quicker here this goes when uh, math when uh, Jesus was tempted remember okay wait a minute I'm in Matthew here I need to be in Matthew Sorry about that. Matthew 4, 8, and 9. Again, the devil took, took him up on an exceedingly high mountain. This is the devil took Jesus up and showed him all the kingdoms, all the kingdoms, including America. Would you believe that? All the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, he said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. He said this to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only. Then the devil left him kingdoms of this world ever have a question then you hear everybody blaming God for what whatever they feel like I guess but Satan is the kingdom of this world so you're all familiar with with uh, John 10 10 which uh, says uh, 
The enemy has come to kill, steal, and to destroy. But I have come to give life and life more abundantly. So sometimes it helps to, to talk about what does that actually mean and what can we put, how can we identify, uh, how can we identify kill, steal, and destroy? Here's some. Here's what Satan's domain will give you. Inferiority, insecurity, fear, bitterness, hatred, selfishness, lust, pride, conniving, regret, addictions, idolatry, and lies. That's what Satan's kingdom is all about. So when you think of all the lies that are flying around, you know where it comes from. And you, I think in this time, at least for me, uh, if I can learn to identify lies, it saves me a lot of time. Now, here's the kingdom of God. I get to love, choose, I get to choose joy, I get to walk in peace, I get to exhibit patience, extend mercy and blessings, I get to treat others with dignity and honor, I get to give and receive grace, I get to walk in freedom, I get to give and receive forgiveness, I get to walk in obedience, I get to be thankful, I get to trust, I get to respect authority, I get to hope. Does that kind of help you see the difference in the different kingdoms? So, if uh, I was just thinking lately, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I was reminiscing, I guess, the word, and just uh, it's just so amazing how good God is. And if <laughs> I was thinking about these things, and I thought, this happened in spite of me. I, had, I, was, uh, I did some of the dumbest things you can think of. So in spite of me, this stuff happened. I grew up in an Amish family. I went to the eighth grade only. Colleen and I have been married 61 years, 62 coming up this next 23rd of September. She looks like a 50-year-old, right? Uh, we have three children. Sue, who works right across the street at the police department, she's worked there for 40 years. Uh, Warren, uh, who married Julie, they have three children and three grandkids. Uh, Sherry married Doug Bunting. They have four children and 10 grandchildren. Now remember, their grandchildren are our great-grandchildren, right? So we have 13 great-grandchildren. And the two of us started together 61 years ago now there's 33 of us. <laughs> the neat thing about it is they're all believers. And they all live within 15 
miles of us except one, and that's Chandler, and he's in uh, he works in Denver, at, for a construction company. So I became a GM dealer. You think how in the world did that happen? No, no, uh, no high school, no very little. <laughs> I'll tell you just a little thing that happened. When we were first married, I thought, well, I need to take a few, they call them bonehead courses, you know, <laughs> in, uh, at uh, CU Extension. So I took uh, three courses. It was tw 14 hours. I, I really didn't learn a thing, except I really like uh, meteorology. So I, I at least know what the weatherman's saying. But, but anyway, when I was making out the application for GM dealership, there it was. Where did you graduate from high school? I just put in some college. <laughs> it worked. But all of this is to say that how the Lord works things out. It's so incredible. It is so absolutely crazy. It, it's against all odd kind of stuff. But look at this, this story. Nobody gave us a year chance that our marriage would last. I mean, she was 17. I'm 21. Sue is and her are 18 years apart. They're like sisters. But here we are, because of the grace of God, 62 years. But now is the now Warren's the dealer, and then his son Chase, he's now the dealer in that Chevrolet deal in Fort Lupton. So there's three generations of dealers. I, I can't even imagine this kind of stuff. How awesome it is! It's only because of His grace. I got to be careful. I like this phrase. He who glories, glories in the Lord. Must glory in the Lord. What Jesus did on the cross, shed his blood for the remission of our sins. Now, that story, there's a lot of there's a lot of road in between that story and now. Uh, the neat thing about it is the kingdom of the world says, make it as easy as you can for me, then I'll be happy. But kingdom of God says that when you go through hard times, you learn things that will grow your character, will grow your faith. In other words, just one example, if you're... Uh, going through hard stuff or whatever, just go get a pill. That's the kingdom of the world. Um, the other interesting part is the way the Lord punishes is he gives them over to their own desires. <laughs> uh, I experience sometimes when, when circumstances became my teacher, and there is no more brutal teacher than circumstances. 
So some of this stuff, some of these things, uh, I'm, I just, uh, I guess I'll take you through some of the dark stuff that uh, brought me to my senses, because I kind of, uh, I forgot to tell you that my old order parents, mom and dad, took me to a Brunk Brothers revival when I was 13 years old. There I accepted the Lord, and my dad made, recommitted his life. That's very un, uncommon in an old Oramish family. So, and then later on, for some reasons that I'm not going to go into, I kind of got into rebellion because... I really enjoyed going to town, going to the movies, doing pretty soon drinking, and uh, carousing around. The biggest part was I was rebellious to my parents, and that lasted from about 17 to 27. So anyway, uh, at 19... I'll kind of give you a trail of where we lived. I was born in Hutchinson, Kansas, 1940, January 2nd. When I was 19 years old, my 19th birthday, uh, me and four others went to Denver. We were in Denver until 76. Then we moved to Greeley. So when I tell some of these stories, you can kind of hopefully follow me. So... Uh, when I was, first job there in Denver was Denver General. I was an orderly. And uh, one day, the prettiest girl i ever seen in my life came out of the front door. And I said, oh, my goodness. I wonder who this is. I wonder if I can find her again. Where can I find her? <laughs> well, six months later... She was working at a restaurant across the street. So pretty soon we were, uh, we were uh, uh, dating, and then pretty soon we were married. I gave my parents short notice when the marriage date was on purpose because I didn't want them. I didn't want them there. I didn't want my sisters and brothers there. Even though I went home to see him quite often, I, I, uh, I just didn't want him there. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know why. Well, I do know why. But anyway, I gave him short notice. So, uh, we got... The first couple of years, you know, we were just newly married and everything was held together by love. Um, but about the third year, uh, I think as if I look back, Colleen has a way of getting me off my high horse, okay? Is that a good term? Do everybody understand that one? Well, anyway, one day... Sue was probably three, three years old. And uh, 
She got so irritated at me, she threw clothes out the window and says, get out. I said, ooh. So I started taking clothes out to my car. But I took my time. I took, I took my, I still don't know why I took my time, but I took my time. And I was thinking when I was taking my time. And uh, about two or three hours later, little Sue comes up, tugs me on the leg, and says, Dad, please don't go. Boy, that was a tough one. I'll never forget it. So, that got me at least half of my high horse. Not all the way. I had uh, been involved with Phillips 66, uh, worked at their training station, I had a good rapport with them, so I bought a little service station on 72nd and Pecos and uh, in Denver. And we had a house about, oh, half a mile away. And Colleen got a lot of friends uh, and in the neighborhood. The kids had a lot of friends in the neighborhood. And it was just a good, solid uh, place, uh, neighborhood to grow kids and so forth. Uh, so about... Uh, I think it was about, let's see, January of 67, I got a call saying mom's dying of cancer. And so, I'm just a big cry baby, I'm sorry. So anyway, if you want to see her alive, come quickly. So, so we did. So we did. That last evening that we were going to be there, the whole family was there singing songs. Beautiful. You know, beautiful you guys sing harmony. And they were singing songs like, May the Circle Be Unbroken. Uh, it was just... I was convicted. And and I was broken for sure. Sue was sitting on mom's lap. And mom was talking to her. And I had no clue what she's saying. But... Uh, anyway... That night, we drove all the way back to Denver, and I, uh, and I, uh, uh, I recommitted my life on the way home. So I knew that uh, I needed to tell Colleen what I did. I didn't know how to say it except that I would, I would. Uh, I just said, well, I be decided to become a Christian. I didn't know what, how to say it. I didn't know the, quite the theology or what. I didn't know if recommitting my life would mean anything to her. But I didn't realize 
that the only touch she ever had with Christians was back home and how they dressed. And so she says, well, you can do that all by yourself. I will have nothing to do with your God. So, that, I took Sue to church with me. And there again, because this little Baptist church around the corner. And uh, when I had my, I had my station, but I had customers, a couple of ladies that drove a little red Volkswagen. And they would come and ask questions that I didn't like. Like, uh, how many kids you got? Three. You take them to church? No. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? No. I didn't know how to answer. I was very... They come in all the time and ask different questions. Okay, now now it is the Monday after we got home and Sue had gone to church with them. Here they come. They said, hey, we had your daughter in our Sunday school class. And she, but she's, they said, she was crying. I said, well, why is she crying? She said, my grandma said that you, you make sure your dad goes to church. And she was afraid that she couldn't come back to church with me. So, whoa. From the mouth of babes. The still had the service station. About three years later, my dad passed away unexpectedly. And uh, so uh, I just knew it's time to change uh, careers. And I kind of always liked cars. So I thought, well, if I get a little used car lot, I better know how to sell them. So I thought, well, the neighbor lady said, hey, there's a... a, uh, there's a uh, ad in the paper for Joe Marsh Ford. They're hiring salespeople, so I did, and I went there. And I, if I wouldn't have given myself 90 days to to work through 90 days, I probably would have quit. Because the one thing I knew that I've learned, I didn't know a lot about business as far as training people how to be accountable things like that, but I did know the value of a customer, and I knew how to take care of them, and I knew how to work. That's about it, really. So, so this culture of a stereotype car dealership was really, uh, and I don't know if foreign to me is the right word, but I really disliked it, even though I was pretty successful. Started out as sales, and then ended up as the general sales manager. But during that tour, the last year or so, and here's something that had an impact. I'm trying to give you stories that impacted my future. Uh, I I had a general manager by the name of Ray Decker. I really liked him. He tended to take uh, my intensity and mellow it out a little bit. And uh, so... uh, 
this Ray Decker decided to get a dealership in Fresno, California. And he said this, and I, here's what I want it to stick for somebody that might be looking for opportunity. He said, if, you, if, I, if I come with him, he will capitalize me in a deal. In four, if you stay with me four years, I'll capitalize you in a deal. Now, we're not wealthy by any means. You buy these dealerships, they're very expensive. And to have something like that happen, I, I just couldn't believe it. It's hard to turn down. But Colleen and I went out there by ourselves, and uh, we seen barbed wire fences around schools, and the, you know, the top ones, just like a prison. And so we thought, well, we can't do this. And so about the same time, uh, uh, Herrick Garnsey would come to see me. I, Ford knew I was leaving, so they were, they suggested to Herrick that I should come with him up here in Greeley. And so to make a long story short, I did finally. But that idea of trading performance for equity really appealed to me. And I just, it was new to me. So I don't know if this is new to any of you here, but uh, there's people out there that want to give you opportunities for performance. So it's, it's kind of a neat thing, really. Because early on in our, just to show how poor we were, early on in our marriage, we were so poor that I, I had to borrow $20 from Colleen's mom because and she's on welfare. So, so that's how poor we were. So anyway, going back to Herrick Garnsey, I finally came up, went to work for Garnsey Wheeler. You probably have heard the name. And it was kind of funny. Uh, Herrick went to Yale. His wife, Diane, was was definitely a blue bud too. <laughs> and, and Colleen was so intimidated by her. And, but the end, now guess what? Colleen and Diane are best friends. <laughs> and how, how this kid from Kansas with eighth grade education is working for this Yale grad, you know, it just all of it just so weird. But it worked out so good. All this time I was working for Herrick, he had one question that stuck with me. He didn't really like the car business, but he, there was one, one question that stuck with me. One time I went to coffee. He says, uh, hey, do you think that uh, business and faith should be together, or should they be separate? I thought, whoa, never thought of it. Then I said, well, I think it should be separate. <laughs> I can't even believe I said that. I said, yeah, I think it should be separate. Wow. Anyway, so we had, uh, I'm going to go over kind of the things. Towards that period I was with Herrick, I did run into a guy by the name of Eric, uh, Everett Francis. Everett Francis had uh, Greeley Finance. I don't know if any of you remember that, but uh, he had the largest singly, single 
proprietorship of a finance company west of the Mississippi. And he did this by getting to know his customer, giving opportunities to people that couldn't get finance otherwise. He didn't take advantage of them. He helped them. So he said, hey, I'll give you an opportunity. Why don't we look for a dealership? Because <laughs> he couldn't do it. I had the car experience, so he needed somebody with, with dealership experience. So I, so anyway, he went out looking, and him, him and John Shoup would have their foursome out at the country club golf, and they seen Larry Eaton, who had, uh, he was third generation Well, County Garage, and Everett, he's just a random kind of person. Hey there, Eric, Larry. You want to sell that old dump, huh? You want to sell that old dealership? <laughs> it was downtown. It was kind of a dump at the time. And uh, this uh, Larry Eaton said, well, maybe. Well, make a long story short, we made the deal. And uh, John Shoup and Everett and myself, and they co-signed a note for $50,000 for my share. And... We made that deal, sitting in a booth at the Country Inn in Greeley on a napkin. <laughs> I still know that, remember the price. So anyway, uh, we uh, went through the process and uh, er uh, Everett and John were both believers. Uh, so we had, well, I don't know where to go with this one quite. We had good success. Uh, they would sell, see, wait a minute. When I wa when walked in there on February 14th, and it was 1982, uh, they had 36 employees, and they had... Uh, four salespeople, and they had a 396,000 loss carry forward, if that makes sense to you guys. Uh, means basically we bought, this, with the deal, we bought that deduction. So, but anyway, a year later, we had almost 100 employees. No, it's two years later. Uh, 100 employees. And we we didn't have to pay taxes on three hundred ninety six thousand because that was lost carry for we bought the corporation so anyway so going back to how the Lord prepared me uh, for the business is this and I, I'm sorry for jumping around a little bit. Uh, first was a 2-7 Bible study. It was uh, done by John and Marilyn Beatty. I don't know if some of you might know them. Or John Beatty, uh, Mike Rogers, and then also uh, Warren's wife, Julie's parents, uh, Robin, Georgia. Robins. And I didn't know how long this went, but it's a three-year it's a three-year study. And what we did was 
we, we uh, memorize two verses a week. And we also uh, learned how to study the Bible. And this is kind of a funny way. But tied in with how to study the Bible was what he called a quiet time. And that quiet time turned into journaling. And so he said, just read the Bible. Open it up. Let it flop open. Read it until you get to something that really uh, really stands out at you. And then write down the impression and uh, in your journal. So if it wasn't for that, I've done this ever since, my journal. And also learned the different promises in the Bible and that they're true and that they will help you. I can remember the time I opened the Bible. We went through some very tough times uh, early on in the business. It's a new business. And uh, in one of those times, I didn't know if we would even be open by the next month. It was that serious. I remember opening to 1 Peter 5, 7. It said, cast your cares on me because I care for you. And I dropped to my knees because I thought the God of the universe cares for me, wants me to cast my cares onto him. And I believed it. I believed it. And that happened to many scriptures. Uh, Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, uh, you know, pray, uh, present your prayers and supplications to the Lord. I know I messed that one up. But so uh, the the uh, and then the other thing that had an impact on uh, uh, was. We had joined FCC, which, which is Fellowship of Companies for Christ. And what they did, <clears throat> they had a big impact on me. They, had, uh, they taught, taught us how to, to build a Jesus culture in your business. Uh, and they advocated having your business as a platform to grow the kingdom. You did it through, obviously, through how you treated people. So here, here's, it had to do with how to treat our employees, our vendors, customers, and people in the community with honor and respect. Pay your bills on time and use a platform to spread the gospel. And at, at a conference with FCC, the first time I ever heard the word servant leadership, I heard it used then by Bruce Wilkerson, who wrote uh, what, Prayer Jabez and Walked Through the Bible. He's a very good speaker. And he had the question, he says, how many of you want to be great? And it was full of entrepreneurs. And, you know, some people had like this. And he said, truly, really, 
we got entrepreneurs here and you don't want to be great, pretty soon you have more hands. Then he said, he quoted, uh, there was a situation in Mark and Matthew where uh, uh, the mother of the Zebedees, what was it, John and James, they approached Jesus and said, hey, we want, I want my sons to sit by you on when you get to your throne beside, beside you. Well, uh, Jesus said, I don't have any say in that. But he says, what you, if you want to be great, you got to serve. So after Bruce said that, okay, he said, how many want to be great? Of course, all the hands went up then. But it's the first time I ever heard of servant leadership. Going back a little bit, the time before between, between uh, Garns and Wheeler and going into Well County Garage, I'm backing up now. Uh, we had about two weeks. So, uh, so I told Colleen, I said, uh, why don't we go to the first city west of Salt Lake City? Kind of like to play blackjack. <laughs> so we did. But I couldn't hardly play blackjack. I went into my room and I read... <laughs> I was reading a Gideon Bible, and I was in Colossians, not sure just what I read, but I was convicted for sure. I said, Colleen, we need to, we need to, uh, we need to go home to Denver. Now, this, we, after we live in Greeley, to where, go home to Denver where Sister Arlene lived. So, uh, and we need to buy some groceries. And I know that sounds really weird. And it, it really was weird for me telling her that. But I said, it's just on my heart to, to go home and buy her some groceries. Arlene was at the time. Too long, I've been here too long. Anyway, Arlene, Colleen's sister, Arlene, was a Harley wife. Beer, back on Harley's, kids at home. It was a really dysfunctional situation. And uh, I said, Colleen, we've got to go home and buy her some groceries. I said, okay. So we drove back and uh, Went to Safeway there on 72nd and Federal. And uh, I remember how much groceries it was, $119. And so uh, she uh, gave it to her. She was, of course, thanked us. But she received Christ a couple years later. And she said that that had something to do with her coming to the Lord. So it was worth it. I didn't know why I was doing it at the time, but it was worth it. And then, <laughs> this is kind of funny, she didn't like to work. So I was trying to give her a little pep talk. 
kind of a Zig Ziglar approach, you know. And uh, she said, you know, if I do that, I, I couldn't connect with these people that I take to church in my little Datsun wagon. I pick them up under the bridge. I said, oh, that shut me up pretty quick. So her ministry was homeless, take them to church. Some, just some thoughts that went through, have been going through my mind, and I'm sure I was, I was telling Angela, is it Angela? Uh, that this conversation you can uh, butt in any time you want and say, hey, here's my thoughts. But with, uh, in, yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, with both sides, <laughs> I learned a new word. It's vitriol language that's going on between both sides. I had to look it up, but I like it. It says mean, hateful language, both sides. Both sides of the spectrum. So how do you deal with it? How do you deal with it? Blow it off, or how do you deal with it? Well, then I found something that made sense. C.S. Lewis, I'm sure you all heard of him. He observed this, that almost, that almost all crimes of Christian history have come about when religion is confused with politics, which always runs by the rules of ungrace, allures us to trade away grace for power, a temptation the church has often been unable to resist. Boy, that to me made so much sense. So much sense. Then I had to think, okay, Let's think common sense here. The kingdom of God, God says that with his breath, he can remove a king just like that in a second. But it's so easy to take our time and get involved in this vitral communication. And what does it do to us? Makes us high tension, that's for sure. Takes away our profitable time. So anyway, I don't know. You have some thoughts out there? You know, I'm not asking for agreement. I just think that, for me, that was a good answer. So, all right. Yeah. Because I can get it off. Well, the reason it's 
Yeah. Yeah. With one breath. With one breath. Yeah. 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 Just want a more, you know, it seems to me like when we join that vitriol language, we just become part of it. We can't help it. And it's sad. So sad. I heard, <laughs> heard a phrase. Christian, they kill each other. That stuck with me for a long time. And I thought, oh. World War II? Russia? Eastern Orthodox? Germany? Europe? Catholic Lutheran? America? Christian? The biggest wars in history. Christians fighting Christians. Made you think, huh? Then Jesus said, love your enemies. Then I heard somebody say, that might mean you don't kill them. Whoa. Anyway, coming to a close here. Are you glad? <laughs> Did she say good? <laughs> too funny. Oh, I think, I, I really think I need to quit. I, yeah? Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It does. Can't sleep. Yeah. And I guess what? <laughs> the truth is, you're just another voice. And there's millions of them. And if so, not that I'm good at it. So I want to follow the kingdom where our God can remove a king with one breath. So, where'd that sigh come from? <laughs> I knew you still love me. <laughs> I need to know. I couldn't hear. She don't have a mic. <laughs> Oh, well, well, one more story and I'll quit. If anybody else has, love to hear. But anyway, we like going to Branson. And uh, they have this restaurant where the waiters sing, you know, and they sing good. And so they were talking about something had to do with marriage. And, of course, I looked like I was the oldest guy there, me and Colleen. So they come over and said, how long have you been married? And I said, well, it'll be 62 years. Well, what's the secret? I said, 
Yes, dear. <laughs> I think it's time for me to quit. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity. I hope Jesus came through loud and clear because otherwise it's not worth a hill of beans. God bless you. Appreciate your hospitality. And uh, so I know I kind of winged it, but I felt better doing that than trying to follow a uh, normal pattern. Thanks, Brother Lee, for that. Uh, one thing I appreciate about Brother Lee, not knowing him that overly well, but is with his age, the zeal that he has for Christ. And that's just been a tremendous blessing that I see a lot of times. Sometimes I see elderly people think we're not worth anything. But just uh, being encouragement and a blessing to the younger generation, and that's one thing I greatly, greatly admire and appreciate about Lee. Um, anyway, um, I think your lunch about prepared here. So with that, why don't we all stand and we'll ask the, uh, the benediction and blessing on the noon meal. Yes, please feel free to hang around to uh, join in our lunch. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessing. Thank you for Brother Lee. He's willing and able to share with us this morning. Lord, um, we just thank you. Uh, how you work in such miraculous ways, no matter of our background, no matter of our education, uh, no matter where we came from. And Lord, it's, it's all because of you that we're here this morning. Lord, I just uh, <clears throat> thank you for this food that's being prepared for us. Bless the hand that prepared it, Father. Be with us throughout this day. We just want to honor and glorify you in everything we do. Jesus' name, amen. We're dismissed.